Hey there! Welcome to First, a podcast where two buds talk trash about how their favorite shows begin. We're the two buds. I'm Alex. And I'm Ethan. And wow, man, this is like our third episode. Already! How have you been? What's your week been like? I've been good. It hasn't been a bad week. I picked up some comics, Mm. currently reading some Daredevil runs, catching up on some comics that I have fallen behind on. You know, the huge. That's fair. Oh, that's I sent you a message saying, oh my gosh, October, the October faction is getting a show. And you're like, the what? I was like, it's a comic. I have no idea. I have never heard of the October faction. So I'm actually going to probably check that out here eventually. I never read it, but working in a comic shop, it was one of those comics we were restocking, or at least the trades, we were restocking almost constantly. Wow. It was something we couldn't keep on the shelf for very long. Mm. And the cover's kind of creepy art, but I was like, oh, I wonder what this is about. It looks very, like, goth family-esque. It looks freaking baller. So if you mm. haven't seen the trailer, uh, by now I think it's come out. Maybe? Maybe not yet, but not hey. Not yet. I think it comes out around the same time that Lock and Key comes out, which I'm really excited for. Another comic I always wanted to read. Oh, so good. I mean, it's <laughs> written It's written by Stephen King's son. So it's primo. The comic and the art was amazing. It's a big glorious story just told in comic form you can't go wrong with it and now they're adapting it into a netflix show so we'll see how i feel about that sorry you just give the description of a whole story told in comic form isn't that isn't that comics yeah it's comics it's graphic novels <laughs> graphic yeah. novels mm, it's graphic oh novels mm. push up my glasses i'm posh <laughs> you're something I'm posh. <laughs> posh spice we all know i'm baby spice <laughs> Gotta assign everyone in, in NSR their own Spice Girl. Mm-hmm. It's part of our contract. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We have roles signed. It's fine. Well, this week, I, I'm glad that you're able to catch up on comics and whatnot. But I also assigned you a show. You did. You assigned me a show called Colony that was on uh, USA for a time. And people who listened to season one may remember in our finale, our long, long finale, me talking about Colony and how much I loved it. So I'm really glad that Ethan hadn't seen it because now I get to force him to enjoy it as well. Mm -hmm. Friendship. Mm -hmm. Friendship. Force you to like the things that you like. That's what it is. No one can have their own unique opinion. You have to like the things I like. Friendship is a hive mind, right? Yeah, totally. For sure. Mm -hmm. And that's definitely the purpose of the show, is not to just shit on everything that you believe and love. No, true. That's just cynicism, which we're all great at. And it's not my fault you keep recommending really good shows. Mm-hmm. Because- it's true. Yet again, I watched a show this week. I watched the first episode of Twilight Zone uh, 2019, mm-hmm. is when it came out. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's a, it's a reboot. But, uh, fuck, dude. You gotta give me something shitty soon. It's a, it's a law. Uh, we'll we'll look at the we'll look at the list shortly and see <laughs> see where we're at. We <laughs> just have... have to. I'll I'll just subtract something in there that's just shitty for you. I'll just be like, nope. You know what? You're gonna watch this, and and that's that. <laughs> you can't have such good taste that I look like shit all the time. That's mm. that's that's illegal. That's no, the crime. That's my that's my job as a as a person is. <laughs> I do everything to make myself stand above others. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. very humble and modest of you. Very Dennis of me. <laughs> you you weren't privy, but we just had a nice 15-minute warm-up talking about Always Sunny. Yes. Someday. 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 <laughs> One day. 
Maybe in the not-so-distant future. Like, 2021. Who knows? Yeah. 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 Well, I think I think I want to know about the colony first. Yeah. Okay. I can break it down for you. Yeah. Why not um, for me? I'm gonna I'm gonna change up the way I do it. I'm actually gonna oh. give you the synopsis of the show, or just the general overall plot. Cool. As told by IMDb, of course. Mm. And it's only a one sentence summary. <laughs> oh, good, good. <laughs> Even perfect. <laughs> So here we are, The Colony, that was on uh, USA for three seasons. In the wake of a mysterious alien invasion, a family fights to stay together in a new world order. That's it. That You're right, that's the episode. That's the episode. <laughs> that, yeah. So let me break down the actual episode itself. Um, so, sorry, I watched this this morning, so I have to still kind of like refresh my brain, but... Uh, it's okay. So yes colony not the colony that's a completely different movie and tv show um colony is about a family obviously that's struggling with some changes what i really like about this show is they don't exposition explain explain everything to you so you're not like getting the first 10 minutes of so this happened and blah 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 world order has changed blah 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 it definitely is a slow burn to kind of figure out what exactly is going on we open up on a family having breakfast, and a guy has two eggs out, and then he's starting up some other stuff, and then they're arguing about who gets the eggs, which I thought was, one, weird, and then you kind of figure out why. I mean, it makes sense later on, but, you know, he accidentally drops one, and he's trying to scoop it up. He's actually really upset about dropping an egg, which most people are like, ah, shit, oops. This guy honestly seems very frustrated that he dropped an egg and he's like i guess i'll have cereal today so um he's got a he's got a son and a daughter that are in the kitchen with him while he's making breakfast and then the wife so soon shows up and is you know having fun with them uh you can tell from the pictures and she looks at one too kind of mm, reminiscent almost is it looks like they did have a third child like a, a second son or something like that but you can't really tell exactly what happened um, with that, he's getting ready to go to work and he tells his family he loves him and goodbye. And then he goes to some sort of mechanic shop. This is where we get the sci-fi feel because all of a sudden he's working on some technology that has bright LED lights, some weird canister lights and stuff like that and discs. So it's not per se, um, modern technology that we have right now. So he goes to work, he's getting ready to take this delivery somewhere. They're talking about how all of this will blow over by the end of the year. The only thing that's tough about it is families are separated and then blah, blah, blah. It makes it sound like they're obviously like some sort of quarantine or something or other. Uh, and then he goes and he gets stopped by like a checkpoint, you know, a traffic checkpoint. And there's all these militaristic uh, goons. I think they they call them red hats in the in the show. And you find out a little bit more about them later, but more or less traffic control uh, checkpoint to inspect products and everything like that. The one thing that's really interesting is you notice right off the bat there is hardly no tech, uh, no vehicles in this area, and it's like downtown Los Angeles in like Hollywood. Everyone else is riding bikes and everything, so it's very green, you could say, in the sense that it's like there's maybe five vehicles on the in the shot, 
and it's all like per se um you know trucks or moving vans big stuff like that it's not like a standard sedan or tiny vehicle for people just to transport and everyone else is riding bikes then he gets past the checkpoint he was really nervous about it just saying he had some fuel cells classic uh advanced technology jargon (laughs) i got some fuel cells here it's fine so uh then he meets up with people and skinny pete from breaking bad which i love so i was like oh hey this guy is definitely playing a shady character so let's see what's (laughs) going on and he's apparently smuggling this person into a place so they get in a fridge it's x-ray and thermal and infrared proof so um so they get past like the checkpoint so like yeah they're definitely going past a wall to get into santa monica so there's this big wall so there's definitely some sort of um there's some sort of like you know border in place or something like that we don't understand that either yet anyways they're getting through the checkpoint he's really nervous but sure enough they get through and skinny pete's like sorry i think his name is spider in it you only get like a quick second of his name but he comes in and he's like, see, what what I tell you, a spider provides or something like that. And all of a sudden, there's a big explosion in this checkpoint to get past the wall. And you're like, oh, no, what's going on? And so everything's now now the shit's gone loose now. So all hell's broke loose. Um, and then we see all these weird probes. I can only describe them as like, you know, the uh, uh, the sentinel probes or the. Uh, spy probes from like star wars almost they look just like these black big black orbs that are floating around and scanning all these military mercenaries come in and uh it looks like our main character will who's played uh by his name is so it's uh, cotter pants from lost mm-hmm. that's his formal josh Holloway. that's his formal name <laughs> but he also goes by josh holloway to his who friends. plays who plays a character named will uh his last name is like will hollow uh not will holloway that's his real last name but it's like will harper or something like that we find out later that their last name is actually bowman um and so that is kind of a more of a reveal later but will bowman is the only survivor apparently it was some sort of ied explosive um and then he's getting arrested and that's when we get the title card colony over the top of it and you can see it you know pans up to the top and so it's a very tall wall and it's very futuristic looking and it's looking over la and so that's all we see then we cut back to the family and we definitely know at this point in time there's some sort of stuff going on it's kind of very desolate and we see the wife uh who is played by bitch bitch face from walking dead Yes, the one that I didn't like, but I like her in this. Uh, Katie Bowman, who is played by Sarah Wayne Callies. And yes, she played Lori Grimes in The Walking Dead, who I did not care for. But On this, purpose. It, it, yeah. It's a very interesting character. Yeah. Us, or like our first episode, we talked about strong women, right? Like she's a strong mm-hmm. woman character, not necessarily a good character. No, no. Yep, exactly. Strong woman characters, bad personalities. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. We'll go with that tagline. <laughs> t-shirt and yeah <laughs> and i already knew where it was going to kind of go because while i was watching the shot she's riding her bike across the neighborhood and i see some like propaganda posters of which look to be like a political alderman or something like that and it turns out to be taub from house 
and uh, who we find out later is Peter Jacobson play, uh, playing Alan Snyder is his name. But in the propaganda, it kind of has that weird Obama kind of like change uh, color poster. But people have drawn like Hitler mustaches and graffitied his posters and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, so this is the bad guy. Okay. I already know and I haven't even met him yet. <laughs> So yeah, uh, Katie Bowman, the wife, she is biking around and she goes to a place where uh, she can't bring their dog in. It's a very gated community. And so she goes in and she is looking to trade for insulin. So you're like, okay, so there's definitely a barter system in place. Uh, It's been however long and most of the insulin supplies that are available have run scarce. And so she needs it for someone or something. Um, she meets this woman, she's going to trade it, and what she barters with is a bottle of scotch, like, you know, 20-year-old scotch or something like that. I think it was Glenvae or Glenguli or something like that. <laughs> so some good scotch. Mm-hmm. So she's she's getting ready to trade it, but she checks it, and the insulin looks bad. It hasn't been refrigerated, it's very cloudy, it just does not look like one safe or very good quality insulin because it came from the pancreas of dogs apparently so not good shit to use probably for a person and she's gonna renege on the trade but then the woman's like you can't trade the trade's done and then she pulls a gun on the woman and is like just give me the the bottle of scotch back i'm not gonna steal anything but just let me go and so she pretty much is walking out of the community with her just kind of like as a hostage almost. And everyone's like, if they see you with a gun, they will storm this place. And she's like, then you better let me go. (laughs) So you're like, okay, so guns aren't allowed. There's a partnering system in place. The family has an orange tree and we cut to the sun, actually trading oranges for tortillas, for tuna, for all sorts of stuff at his like school. Some big bully is actually coming in. is like, this is my turf. You can't do trades without my... With, without me getting my beak wet. And so pretty much the kid like slaps him with his backpack and then parents are coming or the adults are coming. So they all dart off. So even the kids are having to do this responsibility of making uh, trades. And so that makes sense why they were so pissed about dropping an egg because fucking eggs are hard to come by apparently. And then cereal's okay or whatnot. The thing I like about this pilot is especially that it doesn't focus too much on Holloway's character. It doesn't focus on the husband in this scene a whole lot. It's more kind of centered on the wife figuring out what happened because it's been a day. Um, Will hasn't shown back up from work. Uh, Katie finds out that there was an IED explosive from a friend. She has another friend of the family. I think he was, for my guess, he's in the same work as Will previously was before all this. And so she finds out she runs to the hospital, tries to find him, see if he was in the explosion or anything, because they're using code words throughout all this. Like, why was my husband invited to this party? Oh, he wasn't invited. He just crashed it. Oh, well, do you know what happened? Well, some people suggested he went he he go away and go back home, but we don't know what happened. So like they're using this all code over payphones, which still apparently exist, but they're <laughs> using like weird credit card payphones. So um So and then we cut back to him. Uh Will Bowman is literally just in some sort of um confinement, some sort of uh detention facility. And he's like, I want my phone call. And they're just like, fuck off. <laughs> um, and so he's sitting there. Uh, 
and then we cut back to the family. She's still looking, but when she gets to the hospital, she's looking for him, doesn't see him there. While she's there, she takes the advantage of some chaos or some confusion and is actually able to sneak in and grab some insulin, who we find out is for her nephew, her sister's son. Because um, she went out to look for Will while while it was almost curfew so there is a curfew in effect and big sirens go off she's out afterwards so she hides from those probe droids because they're scanning everything she hides underneath a military transport van and they are dragging someone out and they're saying i didn't do anything i didn't do anything so definitely there's some sort of oppression and it's military state you know uh you know curfew and ruling um which this is a weird continuity cut just because she had dropped her bike in front of the van mm. and I half expected there to be a shot where once they took off because the person that was getting arrested actually saw her underneath there but didn't say anything and got drugged into the van and then they took off. But I was kind of surprised that they didn't run over the bike or anything so she stuck walking. They didn't bring that up. I was like, okay, it's just a weird little continuity shot that I saw because it definitely would have been run over mm-hmm. if they had driven off so all right whatever (laughs) cinematography uh everyone's a critic yep (laughs) well now that i do this i i actually take a little bit closer at that shit rather than just like "Mm, well no never mind this is the place Um, this is your platform man yeah yeah starting to get into the critiquing (laughs) uh so yeah after that was kind of a previous thing that i missed on but she has the insulin now um yeah, so she, she goes back home. She's with the family. She still doesn't know what's happened to Will. Cut back to Will. The Red Hats have actually come back into the detention center, and they said they're Will, looking for a Will Bowman. A Will Bowman. And they are look they have everyone lined up and just kind of going down the line. Then they stop at him, and he said, I'm Will Harper. And then they kick him in the shin pretty much and said, and he's like, no, you're Will Bowman. And so they take him. And so apparently he's been hiding his identity, obviously, at this point. We've figured that out uh turns out he gets taken he's getting transported so he's not sure where he's going they've talked about how the factories are a big bad deal because people get taken to the factories and they don't come back so it's definitely some sort of you know labor camp or something like that we then he asks where are you guys taking me this main guy i missed his name but i think he's going to be a bigger deal later in the show but uh, he was like, oh, we're going to the GZ. And he's like, what? The green zone. He's like, hmm. And there's like, there's a line. He says, you look like you're relieved. He's like, well, I can think of worse places to be. So it's like, okay. So he doesn't know all the jargon, but somewhere that is nice, apparently. And yeah, sure enough, they come up to this like big mansion. There's people that are actually, you know, classed up, have their, you know, suits and ties and their dresses all glamored up. It's a big old party. And he's in his rugged like mechanic suit and just like tattered and he's cuffed up but they have his hands covered by a shirt to like not raise suspicion apparently that's how people carry their shirts right draped over their hands not holding it draped over their hands yeah just like as a lap or something (laughs) like that but um yeah so they take him up and this is where we see for the officially the first time peter jacobson's character alan snyder so he's like representative alan snyder or something like that i can't remember what his title is i just call him alderman but uh so alan snyder is apparently kind of like the governing body of the santa monica and los angeles zones or, or quadrant 
Uh, he's like, well, I, you know, brought you here because we found out who you are. You're Will Bowman. You're like an ex-CIA military grade. You know, you, you were in Afghanistan, served all these things. And he's pretty much a known fugitive hunter, pretty much. So he, he hunts down wanted people. He's been like that. So he's effectively, you know, a marshal or something like that. Um, it's like, well, my job kind of went out of business as soon as all this started happening. And they, you know, they took to the ground and stay hit, stayed hidden. Uh, he takes him out and he's like, well, I have a job opportunity for you. So he doesn't actually want to kill him or arrest him or his family or anything. He's saying, I have an opportunity for you. You know, most people only, you know, people that succeed normally make two or three mistakes in their lifetime. And then those uh, mistakes reflect how they, you know, grow from there to success, which I thought was kind of, I didn't say it as poignantly <laughs> as he did, but I thought it was a good line. That's not verbatim? What? No. Three mistakes, you're okay. fine. <laughs> you're I, fine. I vaguely remember that scene as well, so I mm -hmm. I have more thoughts on Snyder later. Yeah. I, I really like this actor. I liked him in Taub. I've seen him, or I liked him in House as Taub, and I've seen him in a lot of other things since then, and he he played a more calm person in house. He, this guy, he's a little bit more manic and he is definitely a little bit more sure and, and confident in himself. Um, so he takes him out to the balcony cause something's about to start. And this is where we see, we kind of have, I would say if you see, once you see this show, you can kind of put the pieces together, especially since you know, it's sci-fi. There is a spaceship that effectively just like hovers and shoots off into the sky. So it creates this cool, like Aurora Borealis, effect to it he's like it's pretty he's like yeah but how long are they gonna be here for he's like they'll be here for as long as they need to so just to finish up whatever and then they'll leave and so it's like yeah hence colony they'll be here until they need the resources they need which they won't <laughs> leave after that american history yeesh <laughs> yikes <laughs> Yee. ever see childhood's end ever read it mm. can tell you a lot of things about that book um um so yeah it's got that vibe so we know aliens are involved apparently they have technically taken over the earth it's not really fully explained but everything is down on like a military lockdown there's certain areas blocked off apparently the santa monica area is the better off area because they are helping the aliens and then the outer perimeters are just kind of scrap heap that are you know you know trying to survive so he says to, so Snyder says to Bowman, to Will, he says, I just want you to hunt down the resistance because we've had like 15 IED explosions. And what is it? A, what is it, you know, uh, accomplishing? People are just dying and nothing's getting changed. So he's like, you want me to hunt down the resistance? So you want me to collude or collaborate with you, which is a big word, apparently. So he's not too sure about it. He knows that. He has his own thoughts. It seems like he's pretty reserved to this. He just wants to be with his family and survive. The only reason he broke in to the wall to get into Santa Monica is because apparently that is where uh, Will's other son had been separated. So they have been missing their son for, you know, however long this is going on. He's going to be 12 years old this week. And that's why he smuggled himself into Santa Monica was to see if he could find him and track him down. Um, and that all went awry, obviously. Um, <laughs> so 
He said, okay, I'll give you some time to think about it, but you definitely don't want to not make this choice, um, is pretty much what Snyder says to him. And so he he gets escorted back home. The family's very ecstatic. When the when they pull up to the house, they see a bunch of red hat and military vans. So Katie initially thinks, oh God, we're going to be taken away. Kids, pack your things, we're leaving. So she's going to try and make a run for it with everyone and just bolt out the door. Then she sees Will in the front yard and is relieved. You know, they're happy to see each other. They bone down. And then, of course, cute, romantic, 30-second love-making scene. That's all you need. Um, and, both are, and both are satisfied. <laughs> yep. Um, and then they have a discussion. And he said, uh, you know, Will tells her, like, they know who we are. They know my, who the family actually is or who our real names. Uh, they want me to work and hunt down the resistance. And so she says, you mean collaborate? And he's like, yep pretty much and i feel for will because i'm like yeah he doesn't really have a choice in this situation it's either that or they all get sent to the factory which snyder said he does not have a problem doing if he is not willing to help she's obviously very uh pissed about this or upset about it and storms off next morning we wake up to see or they wake up to hear something going on in the kitchen they smell bacon (sighs) which is always the prime food for, you know, luxury, apparently. Um, they find, they go down there, they find a bunch of red hats in the area, Snyder's down there, cooking them eggs and bacon and coffee, which he's like, you know, we never thought of coffee as a luxury until this all started. So here, here's some coffee. He even get has plates ready for the kids. The kids go upstairs and he pretty much has Will and Katie there discussing, you know, further this is what we can provide for you. You guys get protection since yes, you will be collaborating and the resistance will have a target on you. You get all the perks of having, never having to worry about or struggling for food. You get everything you need. You get all the resources. And so it's a very tempting offer. You know, Will goes with it and even Katie is okay with it. She's like, we've made the decision. This will be the best for the family. So he starts his new job of going and hunting resistance fighters and uh the siren goes off and he goes into the night to track people down cut back to the next day and katie is going to a place she's using code i already can tell she's she's like hi grandma it's like i'm here for breakfast it's like oh you're so early yeah but i'm hungry and so she gets let in and then the grandma's like waving at people like, yeah, she's fine. And you definitely know this guy like that was pulling a drawer. They're all like on scripted fake um, role playing. He definitely has like a gun in the drawer or something, but they don't actually show that. He's just like kind of like standing there and he just kind of like slowly closes the door drawer back. Just slowly closes that drawer back. <laughs> and uh, he uh, and so she takes him, takes Katie outside to uh to this little you know garage or you know workshop area and then we find a couple of other people in there and she says my husband's working with um snyder and you know the uh the the things and stuff like that we have an inside man and she's like oh why is that and you at this point you find out she's pretty much with the resistance and she's saying i'm your inside person my husband is working with them i can give you inside information and that's where we end the pilot so yeah did you like it i enjoyed it yeah i actually liked that it wasn't totally focused on him the entire episode it was actually more about her so 
you already had an idea about what she was kind of kind of be a part about so i was just really excited because there were two people in that room at the end that are part of the resistance that i know um one plays jody on supernatural (laughs) of course of course i was like oh hey it's my favorite person and then the other gentleman i believe he he's always played kind of like the older cop but he's i think been in either cold case or uh i think he was like in cold case or like csi or something like that i've seen him in some sort of like you know crime procedurals before so gotcha standard stuff but no i enjoyed this i enjoyed this pilot a lot and i think i've been meaning to eventually watch this but i just there were so many sci-fi shows coming out at the same point in time that i think it was like sci-fi fatigue Mm mm-hmm because I think at this same time, Travelers started, and so did um, Continuum, and there's a couple of other ones that I could think of, and I was just like, oh, there's so many of these, I don't know which one to pick. Do you yeah. regret not picking this one? Uh, a little. I mean, I never really continued with any of the other ones either, so I think this one is one that I probably will definitely continue to watch, especially since it's a concluded show. It apparently had three seasons. I don't know if it kind of ended on a weird note oh man there's that sigh buddy i uh they walked that line of this is the finale we will never do another episode and we could totally do another episode like it's it's a really good Mm -hmm. conclusion at least my favorite kind of conclusion where it leaves a lot for the viewer Mm -hmm. to imagine what could happen next and not just a yeah. happily ever after, you know what happens. Just like, oh man, I wonder what mm-hmm. happens to these characters. So I think the finale is really good. It could probably probably go for another season, but I hope they don't. I think that all the characters mm-hmm. kind of reach their full character development. And to continue on wouldn't be great. Right. I think they did complete it because it, I mean, it's telling me from right here what I see. It ended like in 2018 per se. So There's a rumor that Netflix might pick it up. Which is always the rumor when shows get canceled, presumed mm-hmm. too early. It's like, oh, Netflix might pick it up, or Hulu, or someone yeah, else might pick it up. Everyone just yells at Netflix, pick it up, I want more. <laughs> and I can't remember, because after it ended, I was like, oh god, is there going to be a season four? And mm-hmm. that would seem to be like, there's rumors out there, but if it happens, probably not anytime yeah. soon. No, I mean, I think I think with those two lead actors, both Josh Holloway and Sarah Callies, I think it's going to be a great show with just that. And then you have Peter Jacobson as the bad guy, which, you know, that's always cool just to see. I, I like that actor a lot. He He's always just kind of like, you know, his stature isn't the biggest, but he can definitely instill that confidence that he's like, I got all the power in the world. It's fine. It don't matter what you think. Can I nerd out about Snyder's character? Yeah. I'm going to do it in a way that isn't spoiler. Sure. And, and nerd out to the extreme of for people who play D&D, or have played any kind of game system with alignments, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For me, sometimes understanding what lawful evil is is really hard. Like, yeah. okay, what's the difference between lawful evil, lawful good? It's just your perspective. My mm-hmm. opinion is Snyder is one of the best versions of lawful evil. I can see that. Yeah, even just from the first one, because they had that conversation where he said, why did you do this? And he's like, well, if it wasn't going to be me, it was going to be someone else. This is, they're here. I might as well capitalize on what I can. And he's doing right by everyone else. You know, he's well off and he's just following the system. And he, from what I could tell in the pilot, even believes that once this is all over with, things will resume back to normal. So he's just, 
you know, riding the wave like everyone else, just on the other side. I, I think his character overall is one of the ones, when there's episodes without Snyder, I'm like, where, where's my boy at? Like, I really enjoy that where's character. Where's my antagonist? <laughs> <laughs> and I think what you mentioned it too, like, it was nice that it wasn't just all about Will. We get really bombarded, laden with shows of white mm-hmm. male protagonists, right? And, mm-hmm. oh, tough, hot babe, gonna do his thing and be a lone yeah. wolf. And I really like his character because I think they do a good job of explaining male vulnerability in ways at times. Mm-hmm. And that he's trying to be a big masculine man and everyone's like, what are you doing? Can mm-hmm. you fucking not? Well, and-, and I think it was really great. I didn't touch on it, but there's that scene while they were in bed together. And he does even have that conversation. Is like, I went there to go find, I think his name is Tyler. Don't quote me, their son. Uh, because he believes she resents him. He even said, I know you resent me for not grabbing our son. Like, we don't know how it exactly happened, but in the midst of this chaos, something happened and they were split apart from each other. And it was, he feels the guilt for not being able to grab him or save him or whatnot. They both assume it seems like that he's alive, that he's okay. So that's why he was going to go in there and smuggle, see if he could get in and out. But then... You know, it's that really nice moment where he shows that vulnerability is like, I know you resent me for this and I hate myself every day for this as well, too. And I just wanted to do right by you and go and get our son back and, you know, make sure we could be a family together. And, you know, it's a really tender warm moment in the sense that, you know, yeah, he feels bad and she didn't even realize that's what how he felt because we saw that longing look at the picture at the very first scene and he sees it and you can see that he just looks like upset or hurt and it's just i think it's a very good poignant moment in a show that's you know a a network television show versus like what you see dramatically on the tv screen or on the movie screen excuse me their relationship too is probably there's just a lot of good character development i think Overall, the story's kind of weak. Yeah. But all the character work they do in the show is amazing. So even their relationship as a married partnership mm-hmm. is fascinating. Because again, usually you have this lone wolf guy, yeah. the girl who's like begging mm-hmm. for his attention. No, she's off doing her own mm-hmm. thing and has been doing yeah. her own thing. Yeah, and, and apparently she's part of the resistance. And I, I mean, it is kind of the cliche, like, you know, one spouse is working behind another spouse's back. And I mean, the prediction I kind of have is obviously Will is going to no longer side with, you know, the alien presence or anything like that. At a certain point in time, he's going to, you know, swap sides probably after he finds out that, you know, Katie's working and stuff like that. So it, it kind of finds follows into those standard story tropes almost, you know, there's going to be the reveal, the betrayal, stuff like that. And then the turn. But I think, Yeah, overall, I think, like you said, the character development and just the dynamic they have is probably what will, for me, seeing this show in the future will probably be what it keeps it keeps it together. So I'm not sure this is how you felt watching the first episode, but I feel like all the discussion of alien, the the non-discussion of aliens and the wall. Mm -hmm. And I I know you mentioned it at the very beginning. It's nice that they don't tell you everything right away, that you're solving this as it goes along. Mm hmm. And makes me a brain itch in a way that's very cosmic horror esque. Mm-hmm. Like you don't really quite know what it is, but yeah. it's a threat, and and you it's hard to wrap your brain around. Mm-hmm. That no. continues for the entire show. Oh, great! Just love it because so, yeah, I mean, throughout the episode, I was like, you know, you can joke about getting exposition or too much exposition, but here I was just like, 
okay, I don't need these one-liners. I need someone to explain to me, like, how long this has been going on for, what exactly they're mining for, or, you know, there for. Give me something to work on. And I'm just like, they do a good job of keeping that behind the curtain throughout the entire pilot. You just, you know, you have the one scene with the spaceship. You kind of have an idea. It's already some sort of, you know, alien presence per se. But it, like I said before, it, it kind of reminds me of childhood's end in the sense that, like, we don't know what they're here for. They're kind of fixing things per se, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. But it's not going to be until later down the line that we know why they were here for this and et cetera and so forth. So I'm just like, okay, you got me hooked for a couple more episodes just to see if there's still more. And if you said it's going to still make my brain itch all the way down the line, then I'm going to be hooked <laughs> just because I'm like, God, God damn it. <laughs> there's times where it makes my brain itch in the, did you guys, did you bastards write yourself into a corner and oh, not know no. what you're doing? Oh no. But, th but then they recover in a way that, wow. that's where I say like the weak points of the story mm -hmm. really gets made up for the characters where I'm like, mm -hmm. I don't really care what's going on in the story, but boy, do mm -hmm. I want to know more about X, Y character. Mm -hmm. And uh, they, they definitely follow the rule, the, the scary movie rule. Do not show the monster unless you absolutely have to. Mm -hmm. And I think we get a glimpse of the alien once, twice. I don't think we even had a glimpse of the alien. We just saw the spaceship, if I recall correctly. Oh, I just mean throughout the entire show. Oh, okay. You maybe even see better. the alien yeah, once or twice. To mm -hmm. this, and, and maybe I binged it pretty hard. And when we binge, we don't always pay 100% attention. Mm -hmm. We're dicking about, right? Mm -hmm. I still don't have a really firm understanding of what the factory is. Mm, great. It's Gonna just like this, this ominous threat that you know bad stuff's happening, but you're not mm -hmm. quite sure what. And yeah. I, I, someone might correct me on that. But I just don't remember there being a specific, like someone saying, and this is what happens at the factory. You get little glimpses, you hear rumors, but that's it. Yeah. It's really cool. I hope you stick with it because it was by far one of the best sci-fi things I've mm -hmm. had the pleasure of watching in a very long time. Yeah. I think I'm finishing up. This will date it. I think this will mm -hmm. definitely be like the next thing on my queue because now that I know it's actually on Netflix because I don't think I per se did know beforehand, mm -hmm. but I've got to finish. I've. The, the the final episodes of Bojack Horseman just came out, so I have to finish uh, that, and then I have Longmire, and then I have this. I think will be the third on the list. So nice, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I look forward to hearing updates, of course. Yeah, and yeah, no, I'm just I'm glad that you. Oh, uh, before I move on, a mm -hmm. do you have anything else to talk about about it? Mm, I just like that Josh Holloway is in something other than Lost. I Me mean, too. I didn't even finish Lost, to be completely honest, so... I just watched Lost for Josh Holloway, so... Mm. I watched the first two seasons of Lost, and then... I think that was the same time the writer strike was happening, and then I was so disheveled what happened to Heroes that I just stopped watching TV altogether. So, yeah. Uh, no, I didn't have anything else to talk about the show. I was just happy that Josh Holloway was in it, and that I actually liked Sarah Callies in a, in a role for once, so, yeah. So, out of three spaceships... Oh, we're only doing three spaceships. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, fuck it. I I I give it a three out of three. Really? I, I did enjoy. Yeah, I really enjoyed this. Um, because I don't want to give it a two, and that's like a sixty-six percent. So I'm I'm <laughs> I'm rounding up. Yeah, I'm rounding. I'm rounding up. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it. You could do I a round half. up. It's gonna be. Mm, two and a half spaceships. I mean, I have a spaceship. It's not gonna fly very well, but maybe it crashed. Two and three quarters. Two. Let's do two and three quarters okay. spaceship. Two and three quarters spaceships out of three. Yep. 
that's just like it doesn't have the hyperdrive. It can still take off and everything, but it's not going to get very far. It's your so. great uncle's spaceship mm-hmm. that you get to borrow for prom. It's it's the clunker ship mm-hmm. that, you know, your first one when once you get the permit. Well, I'm glad you liked it that much. I Yeah, I, I did. It was a solid thing. Like I said, the, the characters and just I think... You know, the dialogue was written good. I didn't feel like it was too cliche in any sense of the word. So, yeah. For a USA show, right? There is a brand. Well, re- There's a brand with USA. Mm-hmm. There is a brand with USA, and this definitely is a- outside their norm for sure. Not quite as bad it's as TNT, suits. but... No, that's true. USA is real close. This came out at the same time as, I think, Falling Skies, right? Mm, probably. That was another show I never got into. Uh, Falling Skies ran from 11 to 15 so it was in the same time period for the most part well i think right before but yeah never got into that show either i always i go back and forth where i think i don't like sci-fi and then i watch something like colony like i Mm -hmm. fucking love sci-fi and then i try to watch something Mm -hmm. else that's sci-fi and i'm like oh i just i'm not that into it so i just Mm -hmm. have a very particular taste that i'm not quite sure what that taste is with sci-fi but i think it's time that i talk about the twilight zone yes I need to, like, warn... We all know Twilight Zone. We know the pop culture reference. Me explaining the show is going to sound like a fucking fever dream. Mm-hmm. So That's I'm pretty not gonna, much what Twilight Zone is. I'm not going to get too bogged down in all the details. This is probably going to... I hope, fingers crossed, we'll see. Mm-hmm. Going to be a, a quicker description. Mm-hmm. But we'll see, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so just forgive me. I'm not going to do it justice. Spoiler being, I this sh- the end of this episode gave me goosebumps. Mm. And I was teary. And I was very emotionally impacted by this episode. And I think people really need to watch it. And I think even listening to this, while it spoils it, I don't think it'll ruin the magic. Do you recall um, what the title of the episode is called? It's called The Comedian. Okay. And and uh, has well actually one of my favorite comedians Camille of course I say that um, Camille Nanjiani, Nanjiani I believe yeah. is how mm-hmm. Nanjiani is mm-hmm. pronounced I think he's fucking hilarious so as I was getting ready to play the episode I just saw his profile I'm like Camille's in this are you fucking serious let's go he is so cool and so amazing and super ripped right now it's fine I gotta get ready for that MCU reveal baby <laughs> baby. <laughs> So this is an episode about a comedian, in case you couldn't tell. And I feel like it was so clearly written by comedians. There, There is... I'll just get into it. Mm-hmm. So it opens up with Kumail, whose name in this is Samir. Yes. Gosh, I hope that's right. Um, I feel... Okay, when it's just generic John Smith, I don't mind mm-hmm. fucking around with names. Yeah. But when I feel like, oh, hey, uh, names are, are actually really fucking important. <laughs> I will um, I will give you the pass because especially since it's Twilight Zone, it's an anthology series. You don't have to know these characters past... No, know these characters past the episode that they're in. Fair, fair. Yeah. It's me trying to be respectful of all cultures. Absolutely. I mean, not just saying, like, I, I'm fucking up the name yeah. because I don't... I can't pronounce it. No, no, no. <laughs> it's just that I, I wrote it down never and I should have. <laughs> Who takes notes while they're um, critiquing shows? Don't look at me. So uh, I was also pointing the finger at myself, but <laughs> so uh, Samir is a comedian and a bad one. He's at Eddie's club and he's on stage and he's doing this really bad Second Amendment gun right joke and no one's laughing and it's pretty empty and it, he just he bombs out. Eventually bombs out, goes to the bar, has a drink afterwards, and his friend Didi comes up and she's a very pretty lady and makes fun of him saying well yeah you need to actually be funny to be good 
and what you're doing isn't funny. And meanwhile, he's thinking and saying, well, I really think comedy needs to make people think. Otherwise, it's not art. And they kind of go back and forth about like, hey, what's comedy actually mean? And, you know, just stop your ideals and make a goddamn joke. She disappears after. It feels very much like a friendly ribbing, right? There's their competition, but there's some respect there, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. And he looks to his left, and there's Tracy Morgan, aka in this show, J.C. Wheeler, who is apparently a very popular comedian in this world. And Samira is just blown away and saddles up right next to him. It's like, oh my god, J.C. Wheeler, you're you're my hero, you're my idol. It's so, I, how was your day? I want to get to know you. And Wheeler mentions, oh yeah, I saw your set. He's like, oh gosh, if do you have any notes for me whatsoever? I, I would do anything. Give me notes. Like, not to make it weird, I'd give you my dog. I would do literally anything to get notes from you. And he's like, do you really? Anything? And it's very much this crossroad demon kind of deal of, are you sure this is what you want? Because I can tell you, and the audience will connect with you, and then they will take everything from you. And he's like, well, all the comedians ever want is to be famous. So yeah, yeah, yeah. What's 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 the deal here? And he's like, okay, sounds good. Let's make this happen. And they toast. And he goes to do another set. And in that conversation, too, the big thing that Wheeler said is like, just give yourself to it. Give, give yourself to the process. Be open. Be honest. They'll eat it up. Mm-hmm. So he goes on to do a second set. And he does the Second Amendment Act again. And it sucks. And it's bad. And so he mentions, wow, you should all look at yourselves right now. You're looking at me the way my dog looks at me when I, when, when she's taking a shit. And that starts to get a little bit of a laugh. Ha 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 ha. Goes on with this, this bit and people are rolling in laughter over it. Great set. Amazing. Wonderful. He feels so happy because he listened to J.C. Wheeler and like gave some of himself to the audience. Goes home, looks for his dog. Dog's not there. He goes to like wake up his girlfriend, fiance, whatever. And... He's like, hey, where's Cat? He didn't name their fucking dog Cat. And she's like, what? What? We don't have a dog. We don't have a cat. What? This is you're annoying. Go away. And you realize the rule that gets established is that if you jokes about them, they disappear. And we see this happen again. His nephew's visiting, and it's not like his his nephew. It's his girlfriend's nephew. But they've been dating since high school, so basically, his nephew. And you can tell that they have a, a, a healthy relationship as well, a little gentle ribbing back and forth. And he it just gives him this sick burn of like, oh, yeah, you inspired me to be a comedian. But, you know, a good one. Goes on stage, tries to do the Second Amendment Act again. It's starting to bomb. Everyone's on their phone. And so he makes a, a joke about, oh, hey, let me pull up my phone. Everyone give me your number. It's the only way I can really reach out to my nephew. He's 10 and he thinks he's a better comedian than me. And people start laughing again over and over. And by the time he gets to the end of his set, his nephew's gone, vanished, just poof, gone. And he's asking around to people who met him and they're like, what are you talking about? There's no kid here. Go away. You're annoying. And so he realizes, oh, shit. This is first he thinks the kid's lost, runs home, sees his girlfriend with creepy white guy who apparently is her mentor. She, his girlfriend's actually a lawyer. And this guy is just such a fucking putz of, in my opinion, a, a typical example of white guy white knight trying just to be the best he can be and defending Samir's job because that's what he fucking needs to do as a white guy in this <laughs> relationship between two people of color super irritating poignant yeah. subtle in my opinion for mm-hmm. people who are aware of those kind of dynamics he's definitely the the tweed asshole that everyone knows from college that's you know the the textbook 
scholar and stuff like that. Yeah, the 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 tweed scholar asshole. Just a dick, mm-hmm. irritating dick. And he gets like to actually talk to his girlfriend one on one for a hot minute, and he she's talking about how it's not funny that you're bringing up my sister's kid because you know she can't have kids. And then he realizes, oh, well, I guess he's not dead because he never existed. So by saying this, people never really exist. Is that so bad? Don't put me in in a mental hospital. <coughs> and she has a great quip. Well, you picked one out yourself. And, like throws him off for a hot second. She's like, no, no, no. Here's the thing. You've been trying to do this for five years. And if you're if this is the stuff that's making you famous and making you making it work, go head head over heels. Go for it. Even though she doesn't seem to quite understand what he's saying, she's just like, yeah, go for it. Make your dreams come true, baby. And so he does. And he starts researching, you know, people that he hates, people from high school, people from college, jerk, rapist football coaches, like anything he can to get a name. And then the set starts off. It always starts off with the Second Amendment rights bit. Then people get bored and then he feeds into the boredom and jumps into these new jokes. But the same joke doesn't work twice. So he can't ever talk about his dog again. He can't ever talk about his nephew again because they don't exist. It's already been taken away. The audience took it, right? So he's going through waves and waves and waves of this. He's getting more popular. And there are really subtle, uh, I feel like subtle attention to the scenery at times where uh, slowly the bar gets more crowded, particularly when he's there. In the very beginning, it's very sparse. But then towards the end, it's just jam-packed with people. And they mention like, oh yeah, it's you're you're on, you're funny, go do it. But they never mention like the crowds there because of him. You just it helps add to the atmosphere that oh he's becoming popular, so more people are showing up to these little mic night kind of things. Yeah. And I, I think oh the, the the last one that he really does before the rule cements in too is that there's another dickbag comedian who was making fun of him before he went on stage. He uses his name, and because of him. That, that dickbag comedian, he got in a drunk accident just outside the club, killed two people, wrecked a bus st- uh, stop mm-hmm. shelter, and it hasn't been fixed. And he got away with it because he's funny and he has money and was able to get away with it. So once, as soon as he got rid of that guy, as soon as he stepped outside, the bus thing was fixed. So that was the rule. Like, hey, they never mm-hmm. exist. So that means I just saved two people. That means that accident never happened. And they didn't really quite go the they end up having a little bit of the butterfly effect, but not on a mm-hmm. grand scale. Like, okay, I fully expected to see two people die in front of that station mm-hmm. almost as soon as that happened because it's like, right. oh, the, some things have to stay the same. No, 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 they don't. It's also a, almost a merciful butterfly effect, it seems yes. like. Yes, mm-hmm. Very lenient butterfly effect. For a bit, at least. Mm-hmm. And as he, as he feeds into it and more and more and more, he... He's getting more famous, and his relationship with his girlfriend, fiance, has never been better. They're super cute and lovey-dovey. There's a scene where they're eating pizza together, and she's like, "You don't get cheese on my pe- on my coat. It's my expensive coat. Yeah, it's more expensive than your face. Very cute, very teasing kind of stuff. And the next scene that they have is them at home. She's getting ready for work and talking about how she's going to go hang out with her friend David, I think. And that's the pretentious white guy jerk bag, right? Mm-hmm. And Samir gets really jealous and angry, as one does. Like, oh, so you mean the guy who's trying to get in your pants? That one? Don't be like that. He's my mentor. He's my friend. Yeah, sure, that you have romantic dates with. And, like, is 
being a jerk himself a little bit now that he's confident in his power this this confidence is really just kind of turning him into a, a he's not- feeling himself yeah 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 and so he's- they get into this huge fight and also to be fair i feel like i've been in that position before of thinking like oh no this is just a friend but then my partner being like no it may be just a friend to you but it's clearly not for that other person they're definitely thinking it's more or wanted to be more and I, I think it's a pretty, com- I mean, I say common fight in the sense of I'm sure someone has had this fight at one point or another in their life. Anyways. It's definitely relatable, I think, yeah. Yeah. So he goes, does a stand-up bit, all his old jokes aren't working, and he's like, fine, I'm going to talk about this jerk. Talks about the jerk. Talks about this this white guy, white knight. He, of course, disappears. And then as he goes to, like, say, like, oh, yeah, do you, do you remember David? She's like, uh, no, I don't. And she grabs her jacket, which is now black. It used to be red. Now it's black. And he's like, hey, where are you going? Well, you know, I have to work, have to work a shift tonight. I got to go. I'm going to be late. He's like, wait, a shift? You're a lawyer. Yeah, very funny. Fuck you. Because he got rid of the mentor, she never got the education that she really needed in the networking. So she never became a lawyer. She now works at a diner and is just being a waitress now. And the thing with the jacket, too, is like, oh, snap. Because you never became a lawyer, we can never tr- afford the trip to Paris, which is where you got that jacket. And that's what shaved our relationship, was going to Paris. So wait, where are we now? And it's clear like that, all that lovey-doveyness, completely gone. It's this, this strong tension of her, unable, I can't stand him. She goes in this huge, I, I say mean, just frustrated, you're selfish, we're all just material to you, you don't care about me, you don't care about anything but yourself and your fame, so I'm done, I'm out. And... This is when it starts like getting serious for him in the sense of like, oh, God, there's actually like real consequences now that are affecting not just like random people, like bad people, but like they're affecting me and I don't like that. <coughs> and this is just like this recurring theme as he's going on stage and realizing there's times where he's putting out names. At one point, he, he asked two hecklers to give them their names because they're also being hecklers and being rude. And he calls them out, but only one of them disappears, not the other one. Which we don't ever get an explanation for. Or I guess there's three of them. And mm-hmm. and he's itching. I I think it was more or less that it was that one in particular. So he was making fun of just that one guy. And then he disappeared, if I recall correctly. It's been a bit since I've seen the episode, but... So so it, you're, you're like slowly learning the rules. Or I say slowly. There's like rules that kind of get thrown in randomly. And as he's trying to reconcile what's happening and, and the loss of now losing his girlfriend and Dee Dee's kind of like supporting him, but also doing that Ruby friend thing of, well, good for her because she can do better. The manager of the house comes up and it's like, hey, basically the, the showrunner for SNL, they give it a different name, but the showrunner for SNL, they're looking for a new cast member. And it's either going to be you or you, either Samir or Dee Dee. Go out, give it your best. So... Samir goes out, does a bomb set, does that might be when the hedge fund people mm, uh, heckle him so. mm-hmm. and, and gets off set. Great, wonderful, no big deal. Goes downstairs. But that's like when it also really sets that he's kind of maybe sad or sick of this method of fame. So he goes to talk to Dee Dee and is trying to, she's furious. You know, weeks ago you weren't funny and suddenly you're hilarious and I don't understand what's going on. I've been the MVP here for the longest amount of time. This isn't fair. This isn't fair to me. I've been working my ass off for this. And he's like, you know what? You're right. I don't want it. You have it. I don't want this life anymore. I'm done. It's all you. And then it flips. And she's like, oh, no, you don't get to do that. 
No, because I came down here to tell you that if you get this job, I'll actually be happy for you. Because frankly, I'm disappointed that I never saw how funny you were. So I'm going to go out there and give it my best, but I also won't let you quit. So it's like he's he's trapped in this world and this deal that he's made. She goes out on stage. There's like a little bit of a cute, I say flirtation. She she kisses him and then immediately says, if I was straight, well, <laughs> I'd definitely be with an Edris Elba type. But I'd definitely be giving you side pussy every now and again. <laughs> out of respect for the show. Out of respect right. for comedy. Yeah. And I'm like, ah. Out of respect. I, I I like it. I like I like that. Yeah. Um just I she's funny. She's really like yeah, genuinely funny. She's really good. I think this is the point that Tracy Morgan comes into the show, if I recall correct. Yeah, right? so he come he comes right. back again and after she leaves, he, he's he's there and Samir's like, I want out. I'm done. I don't want this. He's like, but you wanted fame. This is exactly what you wanted. He's like, no, I didn't want to be a murderer. Well, no one, you're not murdering anybody because they never existed. So you're not really doing anything wrong besides getting exactly what you wanted. And if you want to continue this, you're so close. You're so close to the fame that you so desperately wanted. You just said that you told me you would do anything to get. So you have the power within you. Weaponize it. Get this. Get your dream. Didi finishes the set. And at this point, I have this moment like, okay, okay. He's either going to get rid of himself. He's going to get rid of Didi. Or, and there's like this this kind of continual reference to the sign, Eddie's Club. And there's an ongoing joke that I don't think it's worth mentioning in this. It's just the witty commentary about it. Mm-hmm. And like, the way he keeps focusing on the sign, he's never tried to get rid of a location before. So I was wondering if he, mm-hmm. as a way to self-destruct either Wheeler or or trying to set it back to zero, as if Eddie's never existed, would everything go back to normal? Mm-hmm. So he goes on stage. Didi, like, you know, is cheering for him, et cetera, et cetera. And he goes on and there's, it's starting to bomb until he forces himself to say Didi's name. And then she disappears, of course. And that's when an ad hit on my subscription. I was like, Aww. oh, good, good time, good time. Good cutscene. Comes back and he is sweating his jackets off and he is just naming name after name after name after name. And like, yeah, you know what? Fuck that guy too. What about this guy? He's like, not even saying jokes about them. He's just referencing people over and over and over again. And people are howling. They're falling all their seats laughing. And it's like he's taking it to the max, right? And suddenly someone starts booing in the audience. And he's like, who the fuck is booing? And it ends up being his now ex-girlfriend, fiance person. And she's like, oh, yeah, no, I found your jokes. Because at some point in between here, he went to visit their apartment, which used to be super nice. And now it's super dingy because they're poor now. He threw his, his joke book. So she went home and found the joke book. And she's like, there's not even real context in here it's just names i'm not sure this is a hit list and this is I'm like oh it's his, it's his death note isn't that cute he has his own death note oh <laughs> way she, to use uh, anime in in modern society <laughs> right <laughs> and uh, so she's like so if, if we're all just if you're just using names why not go for the gut punch use me just fucking use me and he goes into this lead-in of what you think is going to be her and it's like, you know, let me tell you about the most genuine person that you think is actually a really good person, but is really the worst. And kind of lists all these awful traits. I want to introduce yourself to me. And then he goes on in this like really poignant, and this is where I started getting the goosebumps, of just him being super vulnerable to this audience who's deaf to what he's saying. He's like screaming into the void 
And because of the way the magic works, they just think he's telling a joke. And so they're laughing and laughing and laughing. And he's like, I am a garbage human. And I'm doing this for validation and attention. And I just am like, I, I take all of that and put it inside me because I'm a garbage kid. Like, and again, like you said earlier, right? <laughs> he said it much more poignantly. <laughs> but I was just sitting there, jaw dropped. And this is the point I'm like, holy shit, this was a great episode to start this new, this reboot with. Mm-hmm. And so it concludes with, ladies and gentlemen, I present to you Samir, and I can't remember the last name, but Samir. And and then as soon as he says his name, the mic drops because he never exists. And I just got goosebumps saying it again. And he just God. disappears. Yeah. And, and everyone's still laughing to give him a, the, the first standing applause, standing ovation of the, of the whole show. And mm-hmm. the next scene is his girlfriend with the nephew. And the nephew's saying, oh, my gosh, that was such a good show. It was so funny. And then Dee Dee shows up. And they're like, oh, my gosh, it's Dee Dee. We should go say hi. And they kind of, like, do this cute little number. So, like, everything's back to normal once Samir's gone. Dee Dee sits at the bar, looks to her left, and there's J.C. Wheeler. And she's like, oh, my gosh, J.C. Wheeler. She scoots over. Do you have any – did you see my set? Do you have any tips for me? And he just smiles. And it's so – so good. And I, I didn't mention it because it, it's Twilight Zone, so you have the narrator, right? And that's Jordan mm-hmm. Peele. Mm-hmm. And it happens, his first intro monologue happens right after Samir no longer has Cat, the dog, disappears. Yep. And you just see him sitting mm-hmm. in the chair, drinking his drink. And he does such a good job of that persona, of just mm-hmm. that monotone dip out and i almost wrote down both the his monologue for the intro and the outro because then it pans off and he he gives this very clever that's the 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 most important thing he learned Mm -hmm. is that to become famous he had to give up everything he wanted to be but his only solitude was becoming a nobody and the 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 camera moves as as peel as the narrator walks off and a wallpaper that's reoccurring in this club is a as an audience like an audience in formal wear and it zooms in real tight and you see samir's face in the wallpaper and like just has this and some of them too are like distorted and like they're melted or they're, like they're monster faces mm-hmm. and you realize like oh shit that's all the people that this jc wheeler spirit probably hasn't always been jc wheeler but has done this too it was just mm-hmm. real yeah real good oh my goodness i yeah. uh really really like this episode and to to note up on that though a lot of people said even though it was like the repilot effectively for twilight zone a lot of people said it was a weak episode i saw on imdb it was only like a 6.8 out of 10 I'm like are you serious yeah i, yeah. I looked up the writer page flip uh, alex ooh, alex rubens and I was like, okay, what else has he written? Because this was really well written. Mm-hmm. And well, he ri- wrote it, uh, Jordan Peele and like two other people helped develop it. So like they're all kind of oh, like sure. clearly like working together. Mm-hmm. And he, but Alex wrote 15 episodes of Community, 21 episodes of Key and Peele. He co-produced season two of Rick and Morty. And he was also a consulting producer on Big Mouth, the first season of it. Oh, dang. So Yeah, so he's got... He has comedy chops. And you can just see that as a labor of love. And mm-hmm. I think well, people who say it's a weak episode, I think, don't have an appreciation for the work that goes into comedy. And particularly yeah. that conversation that Samir has with J.C. Wheeler in the beginning of, well, no one wants to know the truth. Mm-hmm. Or like, no one wants to know about me. They need to hear the truth. And Wheeler's yeah. like, no, they don't. Yeah. They fucking don't. They want to hear stories mm-hmm. and give them stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they want to be distracted. They don't care about whatever you're spilling. They just want to feel a connection. Yeah. They just want exposure or vulnerability. It's so... It, 
I say heavy handed in the sense of this is just mm-hmm. a side of comedy you don't usually see, but you can tell that that's something that probably gets debated in comedy circles often as far as like what, at what point is it comedy? At what point is it good entertainment? Yeah. This is where you can definitely like dive into like film analysis and everything like that. But I think there's something to be said, kind of like how this was the first episode they went with because it's kind of like a juxtaposition even because Jordan Peele got this, you know, production for this and this started up again because of his success with you know get out Mm -hmm. and like us and stuff like that they were like as soon as they saw get out they were like we can use this sci-fi horror twist and you know modernize it obviously and it's kind of interesting you know he starts out in a comedy field and brings it to a horror end of it so he's getting the laughs getting the exposure and now he's getting sacrificing into kind of the more uh social topics of the time to to build stories up and stuff like that i think we're gonna see peel as a carpenter or eli roth i think as far as horror directors go he is Mm -hmm. up there i think he does such a good job i haven't seen get out but i saw us and i'm Mm -hmm. in no place to talk about this properly as like a ted talk Mm -hmm. or anything but his way of handling racial stereotypes and dynamics in america Mm -hmm. through the use of horror that isn't oh you need to you need to watch get out then oh i you need to it's on there it's on that list i know it's one of those things that when it came out i just i didn't think too much of it and i kept hearing good things about it. i was like oh yeah sure i'll get to Mm -hmm. it so when i had a chance to watch us on an airplane i was like oh hell yeah i'm watching us Mm -hmm. blown away blown away and i'm so glad that he was able to do this season and it doesn't look like it's discontinued but i also haven't heard like when it's no it has um, a season two I'm looking on IMDb. It says it's uh, on the go for a for a second season. I think it'll be coming back here in the next. I would assume by you know spring or fall because the comedian came out around this time February of 2019. I was just gonna say it only came out 2019, and I remember mm-hmm. it being early 2019, mm-hmm. and it was kind of hush hush. People didn't talk too much about it, and <laughs> April 1st, 2019 is when this episode officially was released. Nice. <laughs> I like it. We're all the fool. It just, it was so well done. Mm-hmm. So well done. And it makes me sad to hear that people think this is a weak episode. I think it was because they, ha- like you said, it has that. I think people even had the issue with the joke he was trying to get through. Like people saw it as a like, you know, subconscious thing about the Second oh. Amendment and stuff. They're like, well, why is he using this? It's like, it doesn't matter if he's using the Second Amendment for this. He's just trying to bring up a topic that about stuff and like that. The fact that you have that reaction is the exact reason he, that like that joke was being used, mm-hmm. and why yeah. it's not a funny joke. Yeah, exactly. It's like so, I understand that's the whole commentary. Yeah, that's <sighs> the whole commentary. Why he's saying is like it doesn't necessarily matter what the joke is, but it's the social like alignment or the political affiliation. Mm-hmm. Because there's plenty of political comics out there. They do great by it, but they there's that. You know, you could talk about the theory of forming a joke and everything all you want, but it's like, he's using it. People have done this in the past. I can name several comics that have done it, but the way you're doing it is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it's an art form. It, yeah. People who think you can just go up to a mic and be funny. Mm-hmm. No, it's, it takes no. a lot of work and a lot of crafting. Mm-hmm. And I remember my first time realizing that comedians don't always tell the truth was weird for me. And I was like, how could that even happen? I mean, there's obviously some elements mm-hmm. that are clearly fantastical which is hyperbole which we all yeah. use if you're, mm-hmm. if you're a funny person right but there's times where i'm like oh man there's no way the story actually happened and whoever i was with was like yeah no shit 
he's a comedian. Mm-hmm. Like, well, what do you mean? They make up stories to sound funny. I'm like, what? Yeah. No. I just thought some people just had a really funny life. Like, that is how sweet summer child I've been in the past. Yeah. Of mm-hmm. like, some people are, or they just are able to tell a really bad story mm-hmm. or a bad life event in a really funny way. Yeah, exactly. So, which I think is still part of it. Usually, mm-hmm. what the best lies based off truth, there's elements that if it's not happened to them, it's happened to someone mm-hmm. else they knew and they're able to craft this big thing. Oh, exactly. Um, the big one I want to know is John Mulaney Street Smarts. I mm. want to know if, how street much of smarts. that is true. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can see most of it like being partially true. Maybe some mm-hmm. added things here. But yeah, definitely. I feel like that, you know, back in the 80s, that definitely happened. Hey, Dad, can I have a silver clip for $50 so I can throw it at the slightest size? Sign of inconvenience. Inconvenience or of danger? danger. Oh my Straight gosh! Smarts. Yeah, Straight smarts. Fucking funny. Oh, so, I found I found that closing narration. Oh I'm yeah, kind of, I'm kind of tempted. So we'll, I'll go ahead and use my narrator voice just to yeah. just to give you the goose goosebumps. Do it, do it. You and the audience. Uh, let's see here. I'll, I'll try to channel my Rod Sterling because I don't think I could do Jordan Peele homage justice. So, well, and that's that's the nice thing. So he didn't try to do the Rod's mm-hmm. voice. He just he didn't was... do, try to do the Rod Sterling where he talks very stiff. They're in like nineteen forties <laughs> Captain Kirk ish with, com- yeah. with less commas. Mm-hmm. Samir Wasson learned the hard way that sometimes getting everything you want means losing everything you love, and after finally finding himself on the verge of becoming somebody, he chose instead to once again be a nobody. In the end, Samir's final encore is a show you can only buy a ticket to in the Twilight Zone. It's the scary door. <laughs> like Scary door. They just did such a good job of paying homage to the original Twilight Zone and coming up with this really creepy story. And these are some of my favorite scary quote-unquote stories. Mm-hmm. Are, are these one-off, very short usually paying for your hubris kind of stories mm-hmm. very good yeah like you said it's a very faustian deal mm-hmm. it you know paid in hubris i will honestly say like i saw the first episode because it was available for free like on youtube like the night of and everything and then of course with cbs they have it hidden behind the all access door and could I buy another subscription or streaming service? Yes. Do I love Twilight Zone enough? Yes. Have I done it? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> so it might be down the line, but yeah, I ha- I unfortunately haven't seen any episodes past this one, but the previews they've had, you see everything and I've seen the titles for everything. Do you think you'll continue with this? So... We were talking before we recorded about this episode, or mm-hmm. we were talking before this. In theory, I have access to CBS access through my parents. Mm-hmm. I, for whatever reason today, because of the anxiety, I guess, you, you know, anxiety, it mm-hmm. makes you just mm-hmm. freak out over for nothing. Anxiety and pride. It's always a mix of the two. Right. I was just like, you know, I don't need to ask my parents to borrow their account. I already have their Disney Plus and their Netflix. Like, I don't need to do... Another thing, even though I know if I said, hey, dad, do you mind? He wouldn't fucking care. Family's good like that. The whole reason he got in the first place was so he and I could watch Discovery. So, anyways. Fair. We, uh, so I was like, well, you know, I only need to watch the first episode. If I like it, then I'll get the CBS access for my for my parents. And I was like, well, I get a week free. 
how much can I watch in a week? So I'm putting my <laughs> binge chops to work here. I have I pause Twilight or Twilight. <laughs> I guess Twilight Zone. I should just say the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And there's another show on there that I really am excited about, which I don't want to talk about right now. It'll definitely come up in our finale. Nice. But there's at least two or three different shows on there that I'm like, oh, shit, I've been meaning to watch these. And I can now. So I have seven mm-hmm. days, uh, almost six now, to mm-hmm. get through as much of those as possible. Clock is ticking. We It's, it's going to be a race against time. And mm-hmm. I'll let you know, maybe not the shows, but I'll let you know how many episodes or how many minutes of TV I watched. And it might be embarrassing. I need people to know if the amount of TV I watch isn't just me usually sitting and watching TV. I am a multitasking freak. So I am doing something always, forever, always. Um, so, And I'm the exact opposite. I sit down and I do nothing. But if it doesn't grab me, then I will be on my phone. But if it's a show that I'm watching, like that I'm actually invested in, I, I do nothing but that. I take pee breaks around the episodes. I, for, so like for first, obviously, I'm not doing anything besides taking notes because we're making mm-hmm. a product here and I need to right. be paying attention. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The stuff that I do is stuff that when the show grabs my attention, I can stop. So I bullet journal a lot. That's a big thing. So I, I set up mm-hmm. my pages for the month and like that, that'll take a while of when I'm doing it right. My writing that I've figured out right now is it's definitely freeform writing. I try to do bullets, but it's like, no, like, uh, interesting, uh, bike. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, uh, mm, I, I, for bullet journaling, I found it on Pinterest. And so I saw all the sorority girls doing it. I'm like, oh, but I can make it pretty. I'm going to make it pretty. So I do. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's a nice little arts and crafts thing that I can do while watching stuff. Uh, I knitted a scarf for three years. A single scarf took me three years through watching TV stuff or cross-stitching. Or I just I, I like doing multiple things or I'm planning stuff for the network. You, that, that's very kinesthetic then. You're, you definitely like to have something going on while you're either watching or gathering knowledge for sure then. Yes, exactly. And some of it's just I don't have enough hours in the day to sit and completely devote. But I still want to watch things. Mm-hmm. So, for example, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Mm. I two days a a day and a half let's be honest Uh, done super easy six episodes Mm -hmm. please please yeah if I was really dedicated it would have been a day Uh, magicians Mm -hmm. I think I got the the latest season on Netflix I got done in a day sex education I did I I split it up because I started the second season uh, like at eight o'clock one night got through five episodes took a effectively a four-hour nap woke up at nine o'clock and finished the last two or three episodes so i get that it's fun it's good uh Mm -hmm. and at this point too when i say like oh i have the challenge to see how much i can watch in a week Mm -hmm. i do kind of take it as a badge of pride of being the friend that's like oh hey have you watched this yet oh no okay well i just started and then by the time they say like oh i I just started oh i finished it days ago like oh i finished it yeah (laughs) i i am that friend that when they say oh there's a new show out i probably already seen all of it 100 percent Mm-hmm. I had a guy at work. He's like, "Hey, man, have you seen the show?" He's like, "Yeah, I saw it a week ago, dude. It came out two like yesterday." <laughs> yep. It's like, "Yeah, I still saw it all." <laughs> and that's why we're doing this. We watch mm-hmm. so much TV that we mm-hmm. just need to talk about it a little bit. Yep. Same with movies. He'd be like, "Oh, dude, I can't wait to see like you know, uh, you know, like Bad Boys Two. Is like, oh, I saw that opening night. Hey, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, I I did a double feature of all the movies that opened up the same day. So <laughs> come on." I wish, gosh, uh, you oh, man. bet your bottom dollar it's going to date this episode again when Bop comes out. I'm so excited. Oh, I haven't seen a movie on premiere That's, day in forever. To, to date ourselves even more, that's only six days away. I know. 
It's so good. <laughs> it's going to be so good. Oh, I got to say, um, when I went to Bad Boys with my buddy Kanan, mm-hmm. he hadn't seen the new trailer for, for Bop yet. <gasps> And it was playing right before Bad Boys. And I was like, you know, it was the, you know, it was the WB logo. I was like, oh my gosh, this is, I love this trailer. And he's like, what is it? I was like, it's Bird Spray. He's wait. like, he's like, I was like, you've seen that trailer, right? He's like, oh, is this the new one? I was like, yeah. He's like, oh, I haven't yet. <laughs> and he was, he was sold. He was just, he was all about it. He's like, she has a fucking hiatus because he does, he enjoys it enough. He's a nerd enough. But he's like, I was like, oh yeah, dude, she should have two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She should. She should have two. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. It's gonna be so cool. And mm-hmm. I realized yesterday, I was like, huh. I bet Hot Topic has Bop Gear already. And they do. They have I her entire outfit. Doubt. They have the golden mm-hmm. overalls. They have the caution tape jacket. Mm-hmm. They have everything. I watched I watched the video that you posted that sci-fi did and, mm-hmm. and I was like, Yes. That was my that's what I woke up to yesterday and, oh. and watched during my breakfast. So it was my, great. All right, for me it's an acquaintance. She's actually who got mm-hmm. me into burlesque, but Maggie McMuffin, mm-hmm. she made okay. most of that costume by herself as far as I'm nice. aware. To get back on track yeah. though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um since we've been talking about this episode for a bit um do you think i think i already asked but are you going to continue with twilight zone you think yes in that in that binge period yes in that binge period (laughs) for sure it's like it's part of my three shows that i really wanted to take down uh awesome i'm not sure there's something about twilight zone that isn't quite as bingeable to me it's like black mirror there's a lot of emotional Mm -hmm. repercussions from it that's hard to balance from episode to episode to episode Mm -hmm. and so it might not it might be more of a oh i'm gonna watch an episode or two and then go been something else but yeah this is definitely one like since it's very kind of like sci-fi and just anthology you can always take a break from it especially if they get really deep with stuff mm-hmm. uh but let's see here what mm, rating wise yeah. i'm trying to think of a clever thing but they didn't really use numbers or anything for here so let's just say out of um out of five mics mics out of five microphones okay um Mic drops, what have you. Uh, what would you rate this episode out of five mic drops? Five. Five out of five, five mic drops. Oof, there I we go. loved this episode. I there we go. feel like my description of it didn't do it justice, but it, me mm-hmm. watching it and me talking about it, goosebumps. Mm-hmm. Just was so I, cool. We didn't touch on it a whole lot, but I just like the cinematography and just the visual of it. It's very crisp without having to be like a smoky comedy club room. It's very like just bright in the sense that you had that spotlight on the entire time i think it was just it was really well filmed and i really enjoy that the just looks hd perfect the color schemes that are used the clean like it's just it's a very clean everything the apartment even outside Mm -hmm. everything about it just is so crisp yeah yeah and Mm -hmm. and you even get to see his wardrobe change as he gets more famous from just kind of being mm-hmm. the, the slubby guy to mm-hmm. like something really refined and nice and like a velvet yeah. fucking suit. It's it's really cool what they are able to portray without words. And I think that's a yeah. really important sign of a good show is that you don't have to just have the main character saying, oh, here's the facts. Mm-hmm. So you can see it all happening around them. And that's showing, mm-hmm. not telling. I think I think especially also on that end, obviously, you know, you got some color at the very end of the original Twilight zone run and everything and even when they had the they this is actually like the third reproduction of twilight zone actually they had the standard ron sterling one that they had another one that was like in the 80s right it, 80s 90s uh it was like actually like 90s 2000s because i remember those airing it was like when they were competing with the outer limits and stuff like that mm-hmm. again um 
But this one, I think, because of how like bright and colorful it is, it adds a sense of surrealism to you. So you know it's like in the Twilight Zone mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I think that alludes it to itself better than compared to even when they were in black and white and with some end end level coloring at the end. But I think that definitely lent itself to some more surrealism to show, hey, we're not in your universe. We're in some alternate dimension. Okay, once more, I don't feel like I have enough to say to do a full discussion on it. But Mm -hmm. I just want people to remember Twilight Zone has been so influential on on the genre of sci-fi and sci-fi horror. Mm-hmm. It's so influential on like X-Files and Black Mirror. And I feel like we wouldn't have the shows that we have now if we didn't have the Twilight Zone doing this kind of crazy weird shit in the 60s. 60s was a yeah, great man. time for TV. And as yeah. far as a like, creative mumbo jumbo, they were just kind of like, mm-hmm. does it work? Yay! BBC, BBC in like the UK had Doctor Who. We had Twilight Zone for like our sci-fi like breakouts and well stuff and star like trek that. too yeah and star trek i forget that's you know that's early, like late 70s early 80s technically on that end right i thought, so I thought it was like 63 am i wrong i might be wrong Let's i never like i've i've watched enough of twilight Zone. i mean not twilight i've watched plenty of twilight zone <laughs> but not as much as as not not as much star trek whether it be next generation or anything else uh the original series was 1967 for Star Trek. Oh, and 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 next generation, next generation started in 1987, so that's probably what I'm thinking in regards to. Yes. And next generation went on forever. It's amazing. And Twilight Zone <laughs> was 59, so they were about a decade mm. apart. Oh dang! Yeah, there you go. So yeah, no, just it's it's amazing. I for me as I don't know if I could be a film historian I fucking would in the sense of, of oh, like yeah. okay so we have this genre but where did it start from and where did that start from and where did it really start from mm-hmm. and sounds like you and I need to come up with a book project now okay <laughs> yeah let's do it done let's just add on to it <laughs> done we'll figure something out it's great we won't regret this <laughs> definitely writing a book you know several states away it's fine no problem what we need to be in the same room for that bullshit now nah, we're good yeah. <laughs> We got Skype or whatever. Writing process. Who needs it? Uh, but yeah, I just want to say thank you again for continuing to bring on these really amazing shows that kind of been on my list that I haven't really given myself the permission to watch. And I have mm-hmm. not been disappointed so far. Yes. Mind blown. Now you have my permission to die. <laughs> now you have my permission to die. <laughs> or, or watch film. Whichever. Well then, I just want to say thank you to the Spin Wires for the use of their song The Astronaut off the their album Lights Off EP. God, it's the album that keeps tripping me up. Look up The Astronaut by the Spin Wires. They do great work. Uh, and, you know, if you have opinions, you should join our Discord. There's a link in the description. If you want to harass us personally, you can find me on Twitter and all social media at Roll for Alex. And you can find me, Ethan, at Everywhere That Matters by using the name called Etasha. That's E-T-A-Y-S-C-H-A. And hey, you know, you can come by, say hi, let us know how wrong we are, even though we know we're right. We're always right. Always. Forever. Mm-hmm. Here in the Twilight Zone. Do-do-do-do.